Let's take you now to Brussels, though, where any moment now, EU uh, leaders will begin the second and final day of their summit. The Israel-Hamas war and the fight against anti-Semitism and Islamophobia are on the agenda. It comes after an historic decision on Thursday, with the bloc announcing it will begin membership talks for Ukraine, as well as Moldova. Uh, Ukraine's president calls the move a truly remarkable result, as the head of the European Council hailed an important moment of unity. This is extremely important. We want to support Ukraine. It's a very powerful political signal. It's a very, very powerful political uh, decision. Uh, and today and tonight, I, I, I think uh, to the people of um, Ukraine, we are on their side. And this uh, decision made by the uh, member states uh, is extremely important for the credibility of the European Union. He wasn't the man uh, taking up most attention, though, was he, Bianca? Uh you're in Brussels, and uh, it's actually the Hungarian leader that seemed to be the man of the moment. It's been a summit of twists and turns, Max. Yesterday, people were expecting the summit that was due to end Friday afternoon to stretch all the way through until Sunday, that it would be incredibly difficult, a marathon set of meetings. But then unexpectedly, Viktor Orban essentially abstained from the vote to allow Ukraine to continue on its path towards European Union membership and officially start those negotiations. Now, it's taken quite a few hours, but we've got a good sense of what happened now, and it really was a surprise. So apparently, Olaf Scholz, Manuel Macron, had tried to argue with Viktor Orban and say that your issues with Ukraine taking this next step don't hold up, and also a lot of diplomats saying it's quite rich, given that Hungary has its own issues with rule of law. So that Olaf Scholz then suggested to Viktor Orban, why don't you just grab a coffee outside, i.e. leave the room so that we can get on, do this vote without you, and under unanimous voting, they could. No one we've spoken to knows if that's ever happened before, but it was definitely a surprise turn of events. But then Viktor Orban blocked this 50 billion euro package, which was intended to give Ukraine support for its economy through next year and the next four years. That is likely to be discussed in January. Leaders are optimistic about it, but it's probably the case that Viktor Orban can't concede two things at this summit. So he's allowed the Ukraine to continue with these discussions to become an EU member, but he probably can't countenance domestically giving the green light to that 50 billion euro fund. So that may still come. But President Zelensky acknowledged that this next step, becoming a member of the European Union, will be a difficult process and probably a long time in coming. Today we have the decision to start negotiations on joining the EU. After this step, there will be further ones. It's a big job to integrate the state, all institutions, all norms, all this to the European Union. But we'll do it. Ukraine has proven more than once what it's capable of. There will be another victorious decision. There will be a time when we can celebrate Ukraine's accession to the EU. Now in Ukraine, many people are in high spirits, and this is important. It is motivation. On average, Max, it can take about a decade for a potential member state to become an official member of the EU, but that depends on the state that the country is in. Now, with Ukraine at war, with issues with corruption, with its current state of its economy, it would likely take a lot longer. So this is an important diplomatic win for Zelensky, but he's had a disappointing trip to the US in terms of funding. He hasn't got that 50 billion euro commitment from the EU. So in terms of the cold, hard cash and the tangibles, he's still struggling. And any 
any potential part of EU membership is rendered moot and pointless if Vladimir Putin has success in his invasion of Ukraine, Max. Okay, Bianca in Brussels. Thank you. Russian President Vladimir Putin, projecting confidence at his annual news conference, suggested weakening support for Ukraine aid in Washington means time is now on his side. Today, Ukraine produces almost nothing. They're trying to preserve something, but they produced almost nothing. They get everything, excuse the bad manners, for free. But this freebie may end someday, and apparently it is ending. So the carefully staged managed four-hour news conference in town hall was the first occasion where Putin has ever mentioned the detention of American journalist Evan Gerskovich, the Wall Street Journal reporter, was arrested in March on espionage charges that he and the journal have strenuously denied. Putin said negotiations with the White House for Gerskovich's release are ongoing, but that a solution, quote, must suit the Russian side as well, end quote. CNN's Max Foster joins us now live from London. Max, good morning. Always good to see you. So um, Putin has this every year, although he did skip it last year, perhaps uh, because that special military operation in Ukraine, as the Kremlin calls it, wasn't going so well. Um, it obviously came back this year. Why? And, and what did we see uh, in Putin's tone that reflected this? Well, I think you just you said it there. He had these annual conferences. They are marathon affairs, and they were very much part of the diary, and there wasn't one last year. And the interpretation of that is because the war wasn't going in their direction. Now, clearly, Putin thinks it is. He can't argue that it's already won, of course, but I think what happened in America uh, has given him a huge amount of confidence because if Ukraine doesn't get the American money, they will not have the same momentum and if it had been today, this event, it would have been even more interesting because we also had the European Union uh, failing to agree on giving Ukraine more money as well. And if they don't get European or American money, that's a massive problem for Ukraine and very good news for President Putin, which is probably why he looks so confident. I mean, and frankly, if the Europeans stop sending money as well, it's going to make it even it's going to contribute to the political atmosphere in the U.S. being even more difficult for Ukraine. If, the, if there are politicians here who are able to argue, well, the Europeans aren't helping and it's in their backyard, why should we be doing it too? Um, that's challenging. So in addition to answering journalists' questions, uh, there were questions from the public uh, for Putin, and these were all quite respectful. Um, but the, there are these screens behind Putin. Um, obviously, the words are in Russian, but the questions were, are things like, when will Russians stop killing Russians? When will we live better? And when will the real Russia be more like TV Russia? Um, why was this allowed, do you think? I think it's... I don't know. I mean, I, you know, none of us really know. This is Kremlin stuff and this is Putin stuff. My interpretation, my personal in interpretation, is that this is smoke and mirrors. I think he recognises that many people feel the way these questions were posed. And then he, he was answering questions, so he's giving the impression that he's answering tough questions without actually asking tough questions. But actually what he's really doing is connecting with a lot of people as well by showing that he's aware of how they really feel uh, without having to address it properly. I think it was a you know, very clever communications um, strategy, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting window as well into uh, kind of what the actual challenges on the minds of Russians are right now. I'm not, I mean, not sure I, I'm not sure I've had a better window into it, to be quite honest with you. Um, so European leaders, um, we mentioned the challenges on the aid. However, they did just agree to open EU membership talks with Ukraine, and that would be a really big deal uh, for Kyiv. 
Um, but of course, as we've talked about, this critical aid package um, was blocked by Hungary. Uh, how do you see, um, you know, there is tension inside the bloc. How does that play out? Well, I, yeah, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? It's, it's similar to the UN. You need, you know, unanimity to vote for this aid package to Ukraine. Viktor Orban is probably Putin's closest ally within the European Union, um, uh, opposed it, so it hasn't gone through. Uh, so you have to be, you know, aware that it's only one country and not a, you know, one of the biggest countries that objected to this. Everyone else agreed to it. So this isn't a massive divide within the European Union, but it is a problem, and there are complexities behind it because Viktor Orban wants certain things in the EU, most notably money that he feels has been held up that he hasn't received. So um, there will be a way to negotiate through this with him. Uh, this is um, politics, perhaps, uh, but also just the view of one country within the EU. I don't think it's reflective of the entire EU. Yeah, no, it's, it's a very important, very important point. And Hungary, obviously, um, a unique uh, profile in terms of uh, who Viktor Orban is um, and kind of the, the things that motivate him and how he governs. All right, Max Foster, thank you very much, Thanks, my Casey. friend. Have a wonderful weekend. And to you.